Welcome to the podcast series for the Journal of Neurophysiology. I'm Bill Yates, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal, and today we will be discussing a recently accepted article entitled, Effects of Aging on the Response of Single Neurons to Amplitude-Modulated Noise in Primary Auditory Cortex of Rhesus Macaque. This paper was included in May's APS Select, a collection of the very best original research papers published by the American Physiological Society. Before we begin, let's have our guests introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Jacqueline Overton. I'm currently finishing my PhD in neuroscience under Greg Reckenzone at the University of California at Davis, and my research focuses on temporal processing in the auditory cortex of aging primates. Hi, I'm Connie Kopscheinflug. I'm a research group leader at the LMU Munich in Germany, and my research focuses on activity-dependent changes in temporal processing in the auditory brainstem. Hello, I'm Robert Fresina. I'm professor of chemical and biomedical engineering and director of the Global Center for Hearing and Speech Research, University of South Florida, Tampa. And my research areas focus on multidisciplinary studies of the aging auditory system with some emphasis now on drug discovery and drug delivery for preventing or treating hearing loss. Thank you everybody for joining me here today. Jacqueline, your article presents evidence for striking differences in temporal processing among single neurons in the primary auditory cortex of aged macaques as compared to an earlier study on young macaques. This novel data set has implications for a prominent public health issue, age-related hearing loss. Yes, I agree with Bill. This article is a significant contribution to our understanding of age and neural mechanisms in the auditory system. And one of the main issues in determining the neural bases of age-linked hearing loss is attempting to distinguish direct effects of aging on the ear and the brain from changes in the parts of the brain used for hearing that are due to these altered or distorted inputs from the cochlea that occur with age. This phenomenon is sometimes called peripherally induced central effects. So Jacqueline, how does your work bear on this issue? That's actually exactly what we're trying to get at here is to understand those central changes in the auditory systems. Age-related hearing loss, which affects a third of people over 65, is typically characterized by loss of hearing ability starting at high frequencies, which is shown by an audiogram. And the biggest complaint from those who suffer from age-related hearing loss is a difficulty in comprehending speech, particularly in noisy environments. And even with a hearing aid, often this difficulty with speech processing persists. So what happens, you have changes in the cochlea, which is changing the inputs to the system, and you get persistent effects throughout the entire auditory pathway. That's the peripherally induced central effect you mentioned. However, this difficulty with speech comprehension often arises in the absence of high-frequency hearing loss or with a normal audiogram, and this points to central changes that are not peripherally induced, and that is what we are trying to understand. So in our study, we looked at two older macaques who had normal audiograms compared to young, so limited peripheral changes, and found changes in neuronal function and auditory cortex. Regarding your data, I am most interested in the change in the excitatory and inhibitory balance and how this affects temporal processing in the aged brain. When you say that spontaneous and sound evoked firing increases with age, is that then true for excitatory and inhibitory neurons? Because if so, then the balance might not actually be changed unless the inhibition is no longer received as hyperpolarizing by the target neurons which would imply like an age-related loss in ionic gradients across neuronal membranes. 
That's a very interesting question about the mechanism underlying these age-related changes. There is a lot of evidence, a lot of great work has been done in rodent models to show decreased inhibition throughout the auditory pathway. And we see similar patterns in other work from our lab as well. Unfortunately, given our current methods, we cannot differentiate between different classes of neurons. But I, I did try to address that question by looking at the proportion of neurons whose response was suppressed by the stimulus. And we do, in fact, see less rate suppression in the older neurons, which lends some support for either a decreased inhibition or a decreased efficacy of inhibitory inputs and might speak to that balance of inhibition and excitation. And so to address the question of what, what does this mean for temporal processing in the aged brain, we have increased firing rates, but what is this doing in terms of stimulus processing and ultimately perception? So what we found was the increase in spontaneous and stimulus-evoked firing rates was more dramatic for the synchronous class of neurons than for the non-synchronous neurons that used only a rate code. But then if you look at the population tuning functions, it is the synchronous neurons that maintain a normal signal-to-noise level compared to young. So I think there's a relationship there, this population of neurons that is maintaining the ability to encode AM with both the rate and temporal code, and that points to some compensatory mechanism. So regarding the synchronous and non-synchronous populations of neurons in your study, do these neurons receive different input or do they have different markers for intrinsic properties? I'm asking that because I wonder why would they be affected differently by aging? The methods we use in this study cannot directly answer that question, but we do have evidence of changes in different molecular markers in other studies that point to just that. So while it's possible that these neurons have different inputs, it's actually more likely that the synchronous and non-synchronous neurons are expressing different markers and that there is a change with age in the expression pattern of these markers. And I say this because most of the neurons in young A1 respond to amplitude-modulated noise with both firing rate and a temporal code. And what we see in the aged population of neurons is a decrease in the ability to synchronize to the envelope in those cells. So now there are more neurons that are just using a firing rate code. But this really needs to be explored further. Jacqueline, given the nature of the neurophysiological temporal processing changes that you discovered in the auditory cortex of the old subjects, what would be the implications for vocalization communication abilities for old macaques and for old humans making the reasonable assumption that there would be similar changes in the auditory cortex of humans? So envelope processing is very important for speech comprehension, and that's the question we're addressing in our study by looking at amplitude-modulated noise. So if you take any acoustic signal, you can break it into its temporal envelope or the fine temporal structure. And what's been found is that the temporal envelope is, is critical as a major information-bearing component for understanding speech. So that's why we're using this stimulus to get at this question. And macaques are a very good model for understanding the human auditory system. While they obviously don't have language or cortical regions dedicated to processing language, the organization of auditory cortex is homologous across species and they show similar architecture. So it is very likely that at the level of primary auditory cortex, these changes are occurring in human brains as well. And so there are two things that we found that speak to this. The first was the loss of phase locking ability that we talked about earlier. 
So neurons in auditory cortex are now less able to follow the envelope of the signal, which would lead to decreased speech perception, as well as a decreased ability to do stream segregation or to lock onto one speaker amidst a background of many speakers. The other finding was a loss of dual coding in aged neurons. So that loss of ability to encode a stimulus using both the temporal and rate codes simultaneously. And this may be important for encoding multiple aspects of the signal and would speak further to that inability to understand speech in a noisy background. So you conclude that degradation of envelope encoding in subcortical areas leads to a decreased temporal encoding in A1, which cannot be compensated for. Does that mean that attempts for therapy should also address subcortical rather than cortical areas? Auditory cortex is part of a broader circuit, really, receiving inputs from the thalamus and inferior colliculus and sending feedback projections to both those areas as well. So just within that circuit, you can really target any point to make changes. And earlier, we talked about the peripherally induced effects to the central auditory system. So we know that there are changes starting at the cochlea that are being passed along throughout the system. So really, if you affect any point, you're going to be making broader changes. And that really points to the importance of early screening and preserving hearing, because once those changes begin to occur peripherally, those deficiencies are passed upstream, if you will. There's also recent research that shows that behavioral or cognitive therapies can be effective to drive plasticity and help retain hearing ability or even regain some speech comprehension ability. But there is currently very little known in that area, and really more research needs to be done in this field to discover more effective treatment options. I'd like to thank our guests for participating in today's discussion of the article, Effects of Aging on the Response of Single Neurons to Amplitude-Modulated Noise in Primary Auditory Cortex of Rhesus Macaque, part of the podcast series for the Journal of Neurophysiology. 